Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get in today's recap of yesterday's tie, a 2020 tie between the New York Giants and Washington Commanders, our podcast is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs for first to market odds and lines. Whether would you like to make a bet on NFL, college football, NHL, NBA, the upcoming season of Major League Baseball in the next few months, golf, esports, whatever you may be thinking about betting under the sun, you can find at Bet Online. Head on over to the website today and use our promo code Believe Fifty. That's B L E A V five zero to get fifty percent off your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so let's jump in to today's episode. A recap of of a day yesterday where it's you know a tie is. It's not a win, and it's not a loss, but I know for me, years were taken off of my life yesterday watching that ball game as it crept into overtime. Multiple chances for Washington to win that football game. Multiple chances yesterday for New York to win that football game. I will get into my thoughts offensively, defensively, special teams as well played a major part in yesterday's game. However, you're now 7-5-1. and one. Heading into the bye week, more time for guys to see their families, get a little change of scenery, change of atmosphere, go on a vacation, go down to the Caribbean, wherever you want to go for the week. Take some time off. This is the last week for teams in the NFL that will have buys. It's a very late buy. And then as we come in here next week, you got the Giants again at home at FedEx Field. And as it looks right now, with... Seattle's win yesterday, it, it's going to be a three-man race for that 6-7 and seven seed in the NFC. We saw Philly beat down the Tennessee Titans yesterday. We saw Dallas run roughshod over the Indianapolis Colts. They put up 54 against the Colts on Sunday Night Football game where they scored over 30 points alone in the fourth quarter. So yesterday, outside of the Giants and Washington game, the NFC... East went 2-0 with Dallas and Philadelphia starting to run away a little bit as the top two teams in the NFC East. Now again, a tie yesterday. I hate ties. I know you hate a tie. Nobody likes a tie. Sometime down the road, we got to figure out these OT rules where they implement the college rules to where each team gets the ball at the 20 and every team gets a possession and it's just more points and more action. But that's where I want to start today is in overtime and work our way back because Washington had the ball following a 21-yard run by Curtis Samuel. That was a a very well-designed play by Scott Turner. I know you guys yesterday probably had some concerns as far as what Scott Turner did offensively. I will get into that as well. But you had the ball first and 10. Where a position where you didn't need a touchdown after stopping the Giants on the opening possession of overtime. First and 10 at the Giants 44. 
and you needed, you didn't need a first down to get to the 34 to give yourself a shot at kicking a field goal. You only needed about seven or eight yards really on that series to put Joey Sly in a position to win you a football game. That first down play, Brian Robinson, three yards. It's a pretty good game. Second and seven, you're setting yourself up. Now you're at the 41. And at that point in time, it's a 59-yard field goal at the 41-yard line. You add 18 yards to where the ball is at the spot. You add 18 yards. So it's a 59-yarder when Washington approached the line of scrimmage for second and seven. This is where I want to start because I, I really was expecting something to where when they ran that ball with Curtis Samuels, a really well-designed play to the right side of the line of scrimmage, pulling some guys, involving the tight ends, giving Curtis the ball where the Giants defense was expecting it to give to Brian Robinson, 21 yards there. And you set yourself up to win that football game. And remember, you date back earlier to the portions of that ball game, but Joey Sly doesn't miss that 52-yarder earlier in the ball game. Washington wins that game at regulation, following the Jahan Dotson touchdown with a minute 45 seconds on the clock, where it made an absolutely fantastic play, spinning around the corner and getting in the end zone. It was good to see him going yesterday, even though it wasn't a ton of work for the rookie out of Penn State. But second and seven, you lose three yards on your second play, and on third down, you run a screen to the outside, and Jahan Dotson misses his block on Cordell Flott and makes a hell of a play on the outside there, on third and ten. But you did not need a first down on that series is what I'm trying to get to, ladies and gentlemen. And after getting three yards on first down with Brian Robinson, being creative on that second down play is what I wanted to see. I did not want to see just a dive to the five hole, a dive to the three hole. That's what they ran. And Washington, the Giants expected Washington to run that play. Look at the box. Eight, nine guys in the box at that point in time. And Brian Robinson ran into bodies and lost three yards. So that game at that point in time was a great point for Washington to really win that football game with how well they ran the football again yesterday. Brian Robinson, 21 attempts, 96 yards. He's got over 200 yards in his last two games. 4.6 a pop. His longest rush was 16 yards. Antonio Gibson had nine attempts for 39 yards, 4.3 a pop. And Curtis Samuel, three rushes, 23 yards, almost eight yards a pop. Obviously, his biggest rush of the day coming in that 21-yarder in overtime. From a receiving standpoint, Taylor Heineke, 27-41, 275 yards, two touchdowns. Terry McLaurin had an excellent day yesterday. Fabian Moreau could not hold his lunch. Obviously, Dory Jackson for the Giants was out yesterday. So that was a big day for Terry. I don't think it would have mattered if Dory was in the game. I think we know what Terry offers on the outside. 12 targets, 8 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Curtis Samuel, 7 targets, 6 catches, 63 yards, and Jahan Dotson. Second on the team in targets with 9, 5 catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. So McLaurin, Samuel, and Dotson, the big trio of weapons, yesterday was their biggest in target share all together that we've seen all year long. All year long. They combined for 28 targets yesterday. 28 targets! It's a heck of a day on the outside. Now, from Taylor Heineke's perspective, this offense is still is extremely limited with him under center. Missed Logan Thomas in that first half, wide open for six. Made a couple decent throws here and there, but he's not going to be stretching the ball 
15 to 25 yards down the field. You saw their safeties yesterday and their lining. You know, they were 10 to 12 yards off the ball. They weren't 15 to 25 yards back playing that really deep cover two, forcing everything underneath. Now, they had to respect the speed of Terry McLaurin. We saw that all day long. Jason Pinnock and, and Dane Belton and Julian Love, especially Julian Love, made a lot of plays for them yesterday. But as far as deep high safeties, you know, they were coming into the box a lot, making plays on those short slants, those crossers. That's where the limitations for this offense come into play because Scott Turner doesn't have the full playbook to his disposal when you're limited at the quarterback position. And why I thought that Curtis Samuel running overtime was so such a good play call was because the Giants were expecting Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson to get the ball. What do you do? You hand it off to number 10. You see him come across the formation almost every single down, that jet motion, the smoke motion, every single down to kind of showcase those jets, whether you're going to hand it off to him or not, just to keep defenses honest. Now that you look at that from a wide lens and you can say, oh, this is just a man indicator, whether the running man or running zone, the running man, obviously someone's going to carry Curtis across the formation or they're going to pass off at the second level or they're in zone, they're going to stay. Now that's a really good you know, from a Scott Turner perspective, it's it's a unique weapon within the offense. You can hand it off to him. You can hit him in the flat. You can have him turn up field and run those wheel routes. You can have him stop on the outside and then work over the middle of the field. But with Taylor Heineke and where my concerns come, and I just have, it's, Taylor Heineke is one of those guys just like Terry McLaurin is to where if you talk bad about him, you know, people are going to be here at my doorstep with pitchforks. And I say that a lot, but it's true because of the story with Taylor Heineke. But the thing is, as limited as he is at the quarterback position, and I would like to see Scott Turner involve him more with his legs, boot action, RPOs, allowing him to take the ball because those ends yesterday were crashing down a ton for New York, whether it was Kayvon Thibodeau or Jihad Ward on the other side, they were crashing down a ton. A play where you leave the D end unblocked, and allow him to read. He crashes on the running back. The quarterback takes it. He takes the quarterback. You give it to the running back. That's an RPO and a design run right there, whether you want to hand it off or whether you want to take it. Taylor Heineke didn't take it yesterday at all. And he obviously has shown in the past he's got plenty of athleticism to create outside of the pocket. And he's smart enough to get down. Look back to the years of RG3. Fast as hell, right? One of the fastest athletes in the NFL but he would fail to get down, didn't know how to slide at times, would take those huge, physical, violent hits over the middle of the field, even going out of bounds, that wore in his body. Taylor Heineke understands how to get down. And I'm not asking him to be a Justin Fields, a Jalen Hurts, a Lamar Jackson, creating in the open field for 50 yards. I'm just asking for, just take it and keep the defense honest, especially the backside of the formation to where you're getting five yards here. Whether you pop one for 15, whether you pop one for 20, and then you take it in the end zone because we've seen him make plays at the pylon tons of times before. But from an arm talent perspective right now, it's really tough on Scott Turner to consistently be creative with what he's doing in the run and be schematically different because obviously he's not confident and Taylor Heineke continuing to throw the ball down the field and stretching defense and making these tough throws because of the limitations that he has. And it just makes everything tougher on the offense. You saw it in overtime there. Run on first down, run on second down, a screen to the outside. Nothing was beyond the line of scrimmage on that crucial series. Now he got the ball again and faltered. 
But, I mean, Jahan Dotson's touchdown was a nice throw, but these are little throws over the middle of the field. These slant-flat combos that every single NFL team has in their playbook. We didn't see any long, deep shots. Yes, I think maybe one to Terry McLaurin that, that wasn't close. Fabian Moreau in coverage. That thing's hanging up there like a jackpot ball. He's not driving balls 50 yards downfield. I mean, there's every quarterback in the league that, that can throw it 50 yards. I mean, maybe not Tua Tagovailoa in, in Miami. But Taylor Heineke, he's got to be able to drive throws. It's something that's been consistently inept in his mechanics since he arrived and since he's been in the league. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm trying to look at the performance ceiling of this offense moving forward because their game against New York in two weeks could decide who's the 6th and 7th seed in the NFC. And from what I saw yesterday, when there's Cordell Flott and Fabian Moreau on the outside covering our guys, I want to be consistently challenging defenses, not just within 7 to 12 yards of the line of scrimmage. We got guys on the outside that can run. Terry's a low 4-3 runner. Jahan can run. Curtis can run. Heck, Cam Sims can scoot. We got tight ends that can run as well. Now, I will get into the tight ends because Cole Turner, John Bates, and Logan Thomas were bad yesterday. Blocking, receiving, penalties, killing drives. The tight end group was abysmal yesterday. But right now, with this offense, and from what I saw yesterday, you can look at all the targets. You can look that he threw 41 times in that ball game, chasing that game, especially in that second half, after being up 10-0 in the first quarter. But you knew it wasn't going to be easy. That's, that's not how we fly, right? That's not how we roll. Everything kind of has to be difficult with the Burgundy Gold winning football games because you were up 10-0 in that ball game, and then you quickly found yourself down 20-13 as you move into that fourth quarter. So you were outscored 20 to 3 at one point in that ball game. 20 to 3. So that second quarter, that third quarter, you got to punch the ball in the end zone. You got a missed field goal from Joey Sly. Those are the opportunities that Washington's offense has to take advantage of that we've talked about a ton on this pod against better defenses. Heineke was sacked yesterday, he was sacked twice. We saw some shuffling along the front five. I don't know what to do with Sam Cosme and especially Benjamin St. Juice on the other side of the ball. Two second-year guys that dealt with injuries last year, and now it's coming back to bite them in the ass again this year. That's two guys that they need on the football field. We saw Sam start at right guard yesterday. I thought he did well when he was in the game, but we've said that the same thing when he's at right tackle in the game. He's good when he's in the ball game. He just can't stay healthy. Benjamin St. Juice, they missed Benjamin St. Juice yesterday. I didn't think it was going to be a day where they missed St. Juice like that. But you look at their receivers. Darius Slayton, six catches, 90 yards. Isaiah Hodgins, five catches, 44 yards and a touchdown. Where he made Christian Holmes look silly on that juke route. Just silly on the outside. Sit route, dig route, china route, whatever you want to call that inside out route that Isaiah Hodgins ran. Christian Holmes was benched for Danny Johnson yesterday. Speaking of Darius Slayton, Christian Holmes down the field on that long pass play that they had, that 55-yard completion. Christian Holmes is in a great spot to make a play on that ball. He's hip-to-hip with him. He lines seven yards off the line of scrimmage on that play. 
He's running with Darius Slayton all the way down the field. Using his hands, his eyes are on the football. And he just stops and kind of sits down on the play and let Darius Slayton make a play on the football. From a coverage standpoint, you couldn't have asked Christian Holmes to do a better job there. But be physical and make a play on the football at the catch point. Not just fall. I mean, there were some, there's positives yesterday for sure. Especially the receiving core. Brian Robinson again looked really good. I thought the left side of the line of scrimmage looked good. Tyler Larson missed time yesterday, so we saw some Nick Martin at center, which is hopefully Tyler Larson can get back healthy because as we know, Chase Rulia is out for the year. Maybe against the Giants, we maybe see our first activation of rookie Chris Paul from Tulsa because who knows what's going on in the interior. Trey Turner was out. Sam Cosby got hurt. We saw Wes Schweitzer step in. His first two snaps allows a pressure to Leonard Williams and then Aziz Ojolari. Now, that wasn't Schweitzer's fault. But Aziz Ojolari gets a strip sack and then New York scores. You know, this is just, right now, there's little things that Washington needs to clean up from yesterday, a game that they really should have won. But I hate playing hypotheticals. You guys guys understand that. But Christian Holmes being benched, the penalties up front that haltered and limited Washington's success on offense, not putting the ball in the end zone, missing field goals, even a little thing with Antonio Gibson, who really looked unenthused yesterday. Obviously, Brian Robinson, 21 carries. Antonio Gibson had nine. He just looked kind of not hurt. I'm not going to use that that, that term, but he really didn't just look enthused yesterday. I thought if some of his carries were, were decent, you know, he had almost, he had four yards, basically a pop on each carry, as I mentioned earlier. But you look at him on special teams, returning kicks, allows that ball to fall inside the five and force Washington to start that drive inside the 10. Lazy. Right? Just lazy football at that point in time. And that matters. Field position matters. The only field flipper that Washington has on their roster right now is Tress Way. He's another guy that you can't talk bad about or people are going to be here with pitchforks. But I I think sometimes when Washington's punting from, you know, inside their 45, I want that ball inside the 10. I don't accept it being at the 20, being at the 15. Tress Way is a Pro Bowl caliber punter. I need that ball inside the 10 every time. You got guys on the outside that can create, get down the field. Percy Butler's down there. Cam Sims is down there. Dax Milne does that a lot when he's healthy. Alex Erickson. Got guys that can get down the field. We know Tress Way can hang it up there for five, six seconds. Leaving it at the 15, 20-yard line when you're kicking it from your 40, you know, I need better. Joey Sly. Been pretty damn good this year, right? NFC Special Teams Player of the Month. But I don't need him to be perfect. But when the game comes down to three points here or there, and it's a 20-20 tie, and a 52-yarder in today's NFL is basically like a 40-yarder, I need that executed. I need it. These are close divisional ball games, Divisional games and how good the NFC East has been this year. Little things matter in these ball games. Now you look to back to the prior two division games that Washington had, or excuse me, the three. The first two, you get run over by Philly, you get run over by Dallas, and then you beat Philly on the road. This was another day where Washington could have gone on the road and left at eight and five and really been in a good spot heading into the bye, feeling really good about yourself coming home to play the Giants next week. 
Home. Home divisional games are huge as you creep into playoff time. We understand that. But yesterday, I want to get to the positives. On the outside, I mentioned McLaurin, Samuel, and Dotson. I thought Taylor Heineke made a few nice throws. That fourth down throw that he made in that fourth quarter was absolutely fantastic. Rolling to his left, opening up those hips and releasing down the field. Not an easy throw. That 3 o'clock arm angle to open up. those. I mean, it was just a really, really nice throw on fourth and four. An, an excellent, an excellent job by him to make plays outside of the pocket, which I want to see more. Force defenses, not allowing them to drop coverage every time with linebackers. Force a QB spy. Force a safety down into the middle portions of the field to account for guys over the middle of the field, those quick hitters, if they want to stay inside a structure in the pocket. But get Taylor Heineke outside of the pocket more. Now, getting outside the pocket yesterday was a little tricky because you look who's out on the edge and Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously we saw him wreak havoc in overtime, almost cause a safety. You know, I thought he was, he's really coming into his own as an edge rusher for Oregon. Absolutely dominated Charles Leno on that rep. Again, I thought the front five was fine. Again, two sacks, but some of those were covered sacks and some of those were just Taylor Heineke not getting the ball out of his hands, except for that Kayvon Thibodeau sack where he just flat out beat Charles Leno. So really just one sack. They've been good keeping clean sheets these last few weeks. Uh, Andrew Norwell did a decent job. Tyler Larson, when he was in there, has done a nice job. He's obviously become more comfortable making calls along the line of scrimmage. Then you saw Nick Martin in, and what happened? Kayvon Thibodeau sack. Charles Leno slid down and slid the protection to his right, obviously, and you leave Kayvon Thibodeau unblocked. That's not good process. That's not good communication from the center, obviously, to his left and to his right along that front five. But overall, yesterday, Kendall Fuller, you didn't hear his name on the broadcast. I thought he did a good job. But Christian Holmes, welcome to the league, Rook. Seventh rounder of Oklahoma State, been thrown into the fire because of the injuries on the outside. Opportunity. Started last week against Atlanta, did a fine job. But this week, you know, he got beat up a little bit. And no, they didn't have Kenny Golley on the field. Sterling Shepard's out. Wondell Robinson's out. They obviously traded Kadarius Toney. All those faces are now gone. And he still got beat by the likes of Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. So he's got a long way to go from a rookie perspective in this league. We saw a little bit of Percy Butler yesterday. Thought the safeties could have played a little bit better, especially deep portions of that field, being more physical downhill in those crossing routes that they ran over the middle of the field. Daniel Bellinger at tight end, five catches for 25, 24 yards, excuse me. Linebackers in Jamin Davis and John Bostic, I thought were active yesterday. I don't think they were great. I think they were active. Jamin Davis had 10 tackles. Cam Curl led the team with 12. John Allen had a sack. Danny Johnson had a sack. Made a great play coming in for Christian Holmes. I thought he was active. And especially the thing with Danny, a guy from Southern University that's been inside the Washington franchise for a long time, dating back to the days of Jay Gruden in the prior regime, he usually plays at, at, at slot. And when Christian Holmes was faltering yesterday being benched, you know, he came to the outside and played well experienced vet on the outside. Not not a world beater by any means and a lockdown cover guy, man. But very similar from a frame perspective to what Kendall Fuller offers on the opposite side. I think he did a fine job. And getting a sack on that rat blitz that they sent in the second half of that ball game, a really nice job by Danny Johnson and Kendall Fuller yesterday, despite the success that Darius Slayton had. A little bit turning back the clock for him on the perimeter. But as a whole for yesterday, it's really just a whole lot of nothing. A tie is a tie. 
Washington hasn't had a tie since, remember those days back in 2016 in London when they tied the Bengals? Dustin Hopkins missed field goal for the win. Comes back this this week, Joey Sly. Now, earlier portions of that ball game, Hopkins' was a game winner that he missed. Joey Sly's was, you know, middle portions of that ball game, 52-yarder. He makes that. You know, hate to play, you know, you hate to go back and kind of say, oh, what ifs. But if he makes that field goal, Washington probably wins that ball game. However, it's not a win. It's not a loss. There's positives from the ball game. There's negatives from the ball game. And you put yourself still in a spot to be in the playoffs. When everyone else is playing golf, you're in the postseason. Whether you're the sixth seed, whether you're the seventh seed. Right now, I think the Dallas Cowboys will be the five seed in the NFC. Playing good ball and just put on, almost put up 60. I'm not going to sit here and praise the Dallas Cowboys. However, they are playing good ball. And when you score 54 on an NFL team, a team that Washington also beat, may I add, in Indianapolis and on the road, didn't have the luxury of playing in the friendly confines of home, but scoring 54 in a ball club, playing good football. So I think Dallas right now is the favorite to be the five seed in the NFC. But the six and seven spots right now are a toss-up because it's going to be Geno Smith and the Seahawks battling their tail off. It's going to be Daniel Jones and the Giants, and it's going to be Taylor Heineke and the Commanders. Three-man race. Falcons are kind of falling back. Tampa Bay's still kind of hanging around a little bit. Green Bay's kind of hanging around a little bit. The Christian Watson show that it's been for Green Bay the last few weeks. Aaron Rodgers kind of finally finding a reliable pair of hands on the outside since Devontae Adams' departure to Las Vegas this last offseason. It's going to be a race to the finish and the back end of the NFC. Whether it's four NFC East teams that make the playoffs, it's a very high probability that it happens. I like Washington's chances over the last month of the season who they play outside of the Giants. Now, traveling to the Niners on Christmas Eve is going to be an interesting ball game. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo for the season, who broke his foot yesterday. So it's going to be Brock Purdy, rookie out of Iowa State, Mr. Irrelevant, pick number 262 in the 2022 NFL Draft. There's going to be their quarterback moving forward. What a whirlwind it's been for the 49ers, at quarterback. Remember, start of the year was supposed to be Trey Lance, who they picked in the top three last year. Now, then it was Jenny, Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. And leading the charge, and they have one of the top defenses in football. But it's not Lance and it's not Garoppolo under center. You got Brock Purdy, who had actually a good game yesterday against Miami. So that's an interesting ball game on Christmas Eve. You still have to host the Cleveland Browns. So you still got to play Dallas again. Last week of the season at FedEx Field, a game that possibly will be flexed to a primetime game because that's going to be very important in the NFC playoff picture. Washington has still put themselves in a position to earn a playoff spot and control their own destiny as we creep closer and closer and closer to Christmas time and the back end of the year. So now it's enjoying a bye week. I'm going to enjoy the bye week. I, I think I'll have a podcast out for you guys on Thursday. Maybe we, maybe we kind of take a little bit of a break here and kind of Come to gist with everything, and maybe I have something on Thursday to where we recap each of the ball games, things to work on, things we like, things we didn't see moving forward. 
talk a little bit about certain prospects may I have an eye for. Maybe we focus on on Thursday as far as guys that can come in right away as rookies potentially next year, whether it's a corner, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's a linebacker. Maybe that's something that we fo- focus on this Thursday. But enjoy the bye week. Next Sunday is going to be weird not seeing the commanders on the football field because we've seen them on the field for 13 straight weeks now. But this is a time for Washington to get healthy. We will most likely see Chase Young on Sunday, two weeks from now, against the Giants at home. I feel like we've said that every week for the last month. But from hearing what Ron Rivera has been talking about, we're going to see 99 in a limited role against the New York Giants when they come to town in just a few weeks' time. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed If you did, please leave a like, share, review, subscribe. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com, including more audio and video content. If you don't already, shoot me a follow on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. I hope you guys had a great weekend. Christmas is right around the corner. Hope you guys getting up Christmas lights and Christmas tree. Nothing better than the holidays. And nothing better than NFL football and NFL playoff football. It's Washington right now. Seven and five and one. With the New York Giants coming to town in two weeks. Got the bye week this week, a chance to relax. Some of the guys head down to warmer weather, get some margaritas, allow them to relax a little bit. Got a huge game this week between the Giants and Eagles. Maybe Philly gives Washington some help in handing Giants their fifth loss, which would set up two teams at seven, five, and one in two weeks at FedEx Field. So as always, guys, thank you. Appreciate your time. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.